Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. And so I want to speak a little bit about tension. You know, Bob Goff, I, was, I read a little bit of Bob Goff, and he said, our faith isn't all the things we believe, it's what we do next. So if you were going to close your eyes right now, and can you imagine what you believe? But if you overlay that on what you do, is there a gap? Is there a tension there? Because our faith is not just what we read, it is what we do. The Word of God is what we stand on, but it's what we do with that. What do we do? It's alive and it's living in our hearts. And because it's alive and living, we should be alive and living too and be the, have the written Word of God in our lives. Bob Goff says, And God is not as concerned about the outcomes as we are. He wants us to be His while we try. Does it matter if we fail? Because we never really fail. But does it matter if our expectations aren't met? What it, really, what it really comes down to is are we willing to give it a go? Are we willing to step out of faith and give things a go? Because if we gave it a go, I wonder what would happen if we really gave it a go. In Luke 18, verses 18 to 29, there's a story about a rich young ruler, and there's a tension in the story about money, and we're just going to read it. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. Then Jesus heard this. He said to him, you still lack one thing. And this is a big question. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And is, in, indeed, is it not easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God? Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is it impossible with man? What is, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly, truly, I tell you, and this is the kicker, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God left me hanging <laughs> will fail to receive many times as much in this age as the age to come in eternal life is our perspective not in the story not in the rich young ruler but I believe Jesus and that, that last word was almost encouraging his disciples but maybe I don't know whether the rich young ruler was still standing there but will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come and eternal life. You've got to know. And we don't do it because we're going to build something up. 
But nothing is lost. Nothing is lost in the kingdom of heaven. If we come from the perspective that nothing is lost, that we can't lose, are we going to be like the rich young ruler and look at everything that's going on? Are we going to have an eternal perspective to look and see what God wants to do? See, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. You know, God is so relational with us. And when, we, when we're first saved, we, we run into our salvation, we run into our faith, and we believe that we're going to conquer the world. And then we find out that, that there's a process where we're slowly built up in our inner man, and there's things happen to build us into who we are. And in this relationalist process, we realize that we don't learn everything at once. I wonder what would happen if he downloaded everything at once. I wonder what would happen to our minds and our hearts, whether we could actually handle it. But we're on this process of being restored day by day. But the tension is, are we willing to let, to let ourselves go through the process? Are we willing to listen to the tension? Don't just ignore the tension. Don't just think it doesn't exist. Don't put it to the side and say, say this is something I'm just going to ignore. Can, can we confront the tension? Whatever it is in your life at the moment, what you're questioning, what's going on in your heart, what God's building and what, not, what's, what he's tearing down, the tension that's there, are we going to confront it and allow God, God to move it in the tension? Because I believe tension is a crossroads. It's a crossroads where we get to choose. We get to choose what we really actually believe. And, and let's face it, who loves tension? Who loves pain? I, I don't love tension, I don't love pain. But the process I want to go to, I get the choice to choose, am I going to give things up or am I going to step into where God wants me to? And I know there's people in here this morning that have got exactly this in your lives. And the tension is there and you're making a decision. What do I actually believe? Do I believe in this? And do I believe yes and amen in the word of God? Or am I going to let the world sway me? The tension is our self-talk. What's the tension in your life when you lie in bed at night and your mind starts racing and it starts saying, I'm not good enough. It starts saying all this rubbish that people have spoken over us and our life has spoken over us. In those very moments, are we going to cut back the tension and pick this up? Get on your phone. Search in this situation, what does God's word say? And are you going to take God's word and you're going to recite it to yourself, prophesy to yourself, speak to yourself? You know, I, I, you know, many of us think that we just learn in class. I, I've, I've, I've said this once before a long time ago, but I used to be an electrician and then I, I, I got into a... Um, another role where I was doing an engineering type role. And I remember when I, when I was first in, in, out of my time and I was working with this group of men and, and the engineer would come in and he would tell them what to do. And in very, very colorful language, they would tell them what they thought. And this engineer came out and he, he had actually learned a lot. He'd learned all about his engineering degree. He knew all the facts and the figures. He knew exactly what it was. But when it came to relating it to life, he knew nothing. And so the process for us and the tension is for, for us is to pulling down, is to be able to pull down what is written in here, what we've learned at class, 
what we learn out of his words, to pull it down and to make it personal for us. So you're not just coming out of an, an engineering degree. We've learned a lot of stuff, but it's actually processing it so it's alive in your life. I used to work for a firm called, called Colgate, made toothpaste, made washing powder, made all sorts of things, and we used to build machines and to do all that sort of stuff. And I remember we had an engineer come, in, come into our factory, and, and he came in, and the very first week, someone was driving a forklift, and we had these big fans. They were huge. They don't know how many tons they were. They were probably 20 feet tall and 10 foot wide, and they used to blow up through this blast furnace through the factory. And someone nudged one with a, with a forklift, and it fell over. And when it fell over, the whole factory stopped. So it's tens of thousands of dollars every hour. It's down. So it's, it's big money. This engineer comes in and says, we're going to have to organise a crane. We're going to have to organise this team to come in of, of riggers. We're going to have to get scaffold. We're going to have to da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so he goes off to the office. I let him run the office. So I come out there and have a look at this thing. And I could see there's a gap in the bottom. So I grabbed some, some steel from, from the workshop and just threw it under this thing so it wouldn't fall over because it was on springs. And, and got it under. So if it fell to the floor, because if it touched the floor, we were gone. We'd have to get a crane in. And quite simply, I just did my bodgy. I let the engineer go to the office and do his thing. And I just got two forklifts, one on either side of this thing. And we nudged it up bit by bit by bit by bit. Got the guys to weld up some brackets so it wouldn't move any longer and bolted this thing together. And we were back and running in about an hour. So when you read this, can you let it speak to you? Because this engineer, he went by the rule book. And I'm not saying we have to break the rules. <laughs> but are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to speak to us personally in our lives? That the Word of God is strong. And we can turn a, a situation that could days to fix, weeks to fix, years to fix. When we follow God's words and apply it to our life, sometimes it's fixed in a moment. Not all the time. But sometimes it's fixed in a moment. The Bible is full of pivotal moments, full of tension. I thought I'd run out of time. You know, I was thinking about a few moments of tension in the Bible in Genesis 39. If you know the story about Joseph, he'd been taken away as a slave to another country. If you don't know the story, that's all good. Um, he finds himself in, in, in an official's house called Potiphar. And this, this wife liked him, and so she wanted to have a relationship with him. Pivotal moment. A pivotal moment with his attention in his life. But he chose under that tension to say one, one single thing. And I, I couldn't help it. I was, I was imagining this woman when she says, I, I, I want you. And he comes up with this simple, long-winded thing to, to stop her. He, doesn't get, he didn't, doesn't get in a preach or whatever. He just says one simple word, No. He says some, one simple word, no, I'm not going down that track. And I, I can imagine she was, had a tantrum lying on the floor like you see these kids in Woolworths hitting the ground and doing what she had because she didn't get her own way. And Potiphar is saved. In this moment of tension, he finds out once again who he is. Genesis 32, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, when a man named Jacob has a wrestle with, with, an, with an angel or with Jesus, whoever it was, he has this wrestle, and his name has changed from Jacob to Israel. There's a tension there, and the tension spills out. In this tension, he says, I will not let go. 
I will not let go. I will not let go until you bless me. And in this tension, he gets his blessing. King David finds himself pursued by the king at the time, Saul, and he's in a cave. And Saul goes into this cave to relieve himself, and he finds himself, his enemy is sitting right before him. Tension, he says, I could kill this, this man, and all of a sudden, I'm going to be on the throne. It's mine. The tension is there. But he says, I'm not going to go against the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to touch him. And because in this tension, he makes the decision to follow the word of God, to follow God's word. Out of that tension, he becomes king. Tension is a good thing. What is, what is the tension in your life at the moment? I had some tension a couple of days ago. Um, I went out for a surf with my sons, or one son, and the other son came out later on. And if you know Currumbin, I went to Currumbin and, and there's this, the swell was quite big. And I'm not that good a paddler. So you get the choice, you can jump off the side of the rocks in this gap and, and then you've got to turn around and you've got to go duck dive all the ways to get out the back. And it was so big, I knew, and there was a big sweep, I knew I wouldn't make it. So my son takes me and he says, we can jump off the rocks at the front. And so... There's rocks right at the very front, as you can imagine, and there's these big waves coming in that are bashing over the rocks. And you see this on YouTube all the time, you know, with guys getting washed away on the rocks and coming up with cuts all over them. So my young son, who is full of energy, says, we're going to jump off the rocks. And I'm thinking, I haven't done this before. And there's a tension in me. There's a tension in my age where I'm thinking I'm almost 60 years old, and 60-year-olds should not be jumping off this rock into the... Into, into some swell and the tension is in there and I can't help it normally I'm pretty calm but I could feel the butterflies coming up in my stomach and he, he goes down and we waited and we waited and, and of course he goes first leaves me there jumps off onto the swell and you've got to time it exactly perfect so as the wave breaks you've got to jump on the back of the wave so you go down you don't hit the rocks and you can duck dive the next wave and get out he jumps off perfectly fine I'm sitting there anyway long story short I jumped out and I was perfectly fine but this tension that got to me to get there. Once I'd learned it once, I'd learned how to do it. We went round, we caught a wave, we came back. Second time was easy. It was a piece of cake, but the tension to do it first time. We allow God in these moments of tension to believe what he says. You know, the very, then, then as I left, my other son who's sitting at the back there came as I left and I, I saw him walking out and he had a friend with him from work. He goes out, and he's standing there, and they're waiting for the, for the swell to come, and they both walk out to the edge, and I'm telling the story right, aren't I, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. They're standing at the edge, and, and he says to his friend, there's a big set coming, so he runs back to the high ground. Well, his friend chooses to stay there. The tension, panicked, panicked. Long story short, the next wave broke, washed him over the rocks. He comes up and all his hands are cut to pieces, his legs are cut to pieces, his board is all dented. The tension, the tension in our lives, it's always there. But are we going to confront the tension? Are we willing to stand at the edge of the rocks and jump and believe in this? Believe in this. To take the courage to jump. Because when you jump, all of a sudden, I can tell you when I duck dive the next wave, it was easy. 
But getting into that first swell was, was difficult. The tension in our lives. I'm going to get a bit practical. In Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Can you ask yourself the question, am I going to get practical teaching? Am I going to get practical teaching? If I was going to ask a show of hands, and I'm not going to do it, who actually read this this week? <laughs> You're putting your hands up. But who actually read this this week? Who actually studied it this week? Who actually realized this is just like getting up in the morning and having breakfast and eating food? This is just like that. what that is, a practical. Are we going to do that? Are we going to get up and we're going to read this thing? Study this thing. Learn what it says and apply it to our lives. Am I going to have providential relationships? Am I going to find someone who can speak into my life? Am I going to find a brother or a sister that I can be honest with? And he can speak words of life to me. And together we can study this word. Am I going to have someone who I can offload to? Someone who can say, this is what God says, because we all have scotomas, things we don't see. And the very thing that we don't see, someone can speak life Speak life into your life. In private, am I going to be disciplined? Because what we build in private flows out into the public arena. And when the tension comes in the public arena, if we've built ourselves up in private, we tend to stay strong in public. Am I going to build my personal ministry? And in that I'd say, am I going to allow these pivotal moments to build me and not destroy me? To use faith, because without faith it's impossible to please God. Another pivotal moment. There's a story about Paul and Silas. and We've got the scriptures, Acts 16, 25 to 26. And they find themselves, Paul and Silas find themselves in this situation where they've cast a demon out of a woman and they find themselves being cast into prison over it. And then when they were thrown in prison, first their, their clothes were taken off them. I'm not sure whether it's all their clothes or just the outer garments. They were beaten with rods. They were thrown into this cell, which would have been a really cold, dark place. Their feet were fastened in stocks or chains. And here they find themselves. And I can't help but think, this is, this is a place of tension. This is a place of Huge tension for their lives. And we can learn something with what they did in this tension. Verse 25, and it says, about midnight. <laughs> I wonder what time they were put into prison. I wonder if it was like 6 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock in the afternoon. But here they are still at midnight. Still at midnight. Praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, 
There was such a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. I'm going to keep reading. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I can't help but think of the fruit. The fruit that came because these two were faithful. And they replied, can we do this? Believe in the Lord Jesus. That's just not just the very first moment where we get saved. That is, do you really believe Jesus with everything? Do you believe this word for everything? We make this statement where we're saved. But that belief just isn't just a one-shot one moment. This is something that carries on through our lives, this belief system. They spoke. And do you know what they spoke? The word of the Lord to them. This is why it's so important to know the word of God. I wonder the well that these, these two had dug. That when they found themselves in the tension, all of a sudden there was a well that they dug out of. The tension, pain or faith, the tension. Do we believe? Do we believe? If, can you imagine? First of all, do you believe you're a citizen of heaven? You believe the earth is not your home. You believe you're now, you're now a citizen of another land. Son and daughter of the living God. That is who we are. And if we, that's who we are, can you imagine if you were from, let's say Australia. Australia's representative. You get paid a salary of, let's, let's go big, $200,000 a year. Actually, I don't know what politicians get, do they? I don't know what they get. But you go to Indonesia, and here you are, you're a government representative in Indonesia. You're working out of the consulate in Indonesia. It's your space. This is where you are. You're living in a foreign land, but you've been sent to another country. But there's a consulate where you are. Do you think if you're in that consulate, because just because you're in another country, do you think you're still going to get paid less than $200,000 you're paid in Australia? You're still going to be paid the same. We're citizens of another land. That, that is our kingdom. That is who we are. And because of that, just because we're not there in heaven, we're citizens. That is who we are. We've been sent to another country. We've been sent to another place. That doesn't mean we're going to get paid any less. That doesn't mean just because we're down here, we're, we're paupers. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about spiritual wealth. I'm talking about who we are on the inside. Can you imagine when the tension is on and you're in another country and you're being challenged? Let's say you've been challenged in our finances, been challenged in our health, we've been challenged on... Oh, I'm not going to go into other things because it's going to get personal. But we're challenged. Do you still believe in that challenge that you can still access the same $200,000 that was in heaven as where you are right now? Can we believe for that? The tension that's in, in us, that even though we're in Indonesia and it doesn't look as clean and, and, and the culture is completely different, we're carrying the culture of heaven down to where we are. 
Our payday is still the same where we are. We're still carrying exactly what we, what we should be in heaven down where we are. And if we believe that, if we believe that we're carrying God's spirit within us, that, that means we have his authority with us. Wherever we go, we have his authority. It really comes down to our belief system in this tension. What do we believe? See, they, these two, Paul and Silas, they weren't down and, and crying and saying, God, will you release us? We're broken. We're hurt. They were singing praises to God. They were lifting him up wherever they were. They knew who they were. They were citizens of heaven. And because they were citizens of heaven praying, praying to their God, they, they brought actually heaven down to earth. And there was breakthrough in their situation. The tension, the tension brought breakthrough. I can't help but think too, the apostles and the believers of the time when Jesus was taken away, locked themselves away for how many days, 10 days or whatever it was. And out of that tension where they're on, we're on their, their knees and they're, they're praying, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And there's a breakout. And we know the day of Pentecost happened. We know that 3,000 were saved and we know that God moved. But some people believe in Acts, and I'm going to read it, Acts 2, 42. Unless someone can get there before me. And it talks about the sermon that was preached. And it says those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then there's a slight gap where it says the fellowship of the believers in my Bible. And some people believe that there's actually a gap in time there. One and two year gap. So there's, if there's this gap there, because the very next verse in the Bible, we read straight through it and think this is something that happened the very next moment. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And, and I like the thought, rightly or wrongly, that this thought that maybe there was a gap there. Two years later, they're still carrying on listening to the apostles' teaching. They're still devoting themselves to prayer. They're still following to what the disciples were preaching two years later. There was something that happened. We all know there was tension at the time. We all know it wasn't an easy place to be, to be a person of faith. And yet these people, two years later, were still pursuing God. We're still living a life with prayer. Paul and Silas, they kept their eyes on Jesus. They worshipped him. They kept their eyes on his promises when they prayed and they sang. I can imagine them singing hymns. They focused on his goodness. When we, read it, when we read the Bible, there's two books that really talk about, I suppose, praise and prayer. There's Psalms, which is a collection of, of prayers and songs to Jesus. But the very next book where prayer is talked about more than any other book in the Bible is Acts. And I can't help but think, the book where they prayed a lot, God moved a lot. Is he waiting on us? I don't believe he's waiting on us. But is he allowing us to be part of his plan? Is he allowing us to be part of what he wants to accomplish on this earth? The tension is, 
Are we going to be those people to accomplish what he wants to accomplish on the earth? Are we going to be the ones that are ste stepping in? In Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your responsibleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The keys. Rejoice. Worship God. Second key. Prayer and petition. Lay your petitions before God. And then the peace that transcends all answers came. Let's not just presume on the riches and of his kindness. Can we step into the riches and his kindness of who he is for us? So this morning, if you're feeling tension and there's tension in your life and you're asking God questions, I'm just going to pray a quick prayer and then we're going to see where God's going to take us after that. I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit can fall in an instant we're transformed. But I also do believe that God allows us to go through things so we build a strength in us that wouldn't have happened before. So God, Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray and ask, Lord God, that our very first thing we will do when tension comes is turn to you. The very first thing we will do, that God, our appetites, our desires, our addictions, that God, we would have the strength to stand against those, Lord God, the strength to stand up, and if it just takes the very few words to say, God, I'm going to praise you, God, I'm going to honor you, God, I'm going to choose to stand in your promises. If we can find ourselves in that place, Lord, to say those words, Lord, I pray, Lord God, over each and every one of us, that that addiction, that tension, that brokenness would not be as powerful in our lives any longer because we've chosen to step out into your kingdom. Let us realize, Lord God, that we're ambassadors and what we carry is the very presence of heaven wherever we go, that we might be the ones to bring that to earth, Lord, in our situation. So I pray for strength. God, Lord, I pray for strength for every person here. That God, Lord, the failures of the past would not be the failures of the future. That God, the doubts of the past, when we tried once and it didn't work for us, we would be willing to step in again, to go again, Lord, I pray. That God, Lord, we wouldn't look and, and choose to make our religion about our failures, Lord God, but we would choose, Lord, to make it surrounded, Lord, by your word and what your word says. Let it be the underpinning of our lives. Let it be the strength in our lives. And God, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would breathe upon what we know, what we understand. It would breathe upon our lives, Lord. It would bring us strength, Lord, in our lives, Lord, I pray. God, Lord, I pray, Lord, for a fresh anointing on all of us. That God, Lord, even though I'm speaking the word, I pray and ask, Lord God, just as Genesis 2, that God, you would hover over this place. You would hover over us. And God, in this moment, the brokenness and the tension that we feel would not be as so large, Lord, because you're here with us and your hands are lifting us up. So God, Lord, I bless every single person that's sitting in these seats in the name of Jesus. I bless them with the love of Jesus. 
I bless them with the authority of heaven. I bless them, Lord God, Lord, that lives would be restored, bodies would be healed, minds would be released, oppression would go, depression would leave, and freedom would come, Lord, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.